0: We're all professional naturalists who together have scoured the world for weird and wonderful wonders just to please your mammalian brain's desire for novelty. Isn't that nice? Let's do this.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Good to see you. Hi, Hi Victoria. Good hey. to see you, too. Um, I, have, I have a good one this week. So I am well, excited. I hope
0: they're all good ones, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. When you have small children, as I do, you spend... Basically, endless amounts of t- time trying to civilize them out of various um, natural, but you know, antisocial and disgusting habits. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> exhibit number yep, one. Okay. Exhibit number one for my son is nose picking. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's actually gotten gold, better. Long
0: and glorious tradition. Yep. Yes.
1: It's actually gotten a little better in the last couple months, but um, for a while there, he ha- seemed to be constantly having a finger up his nose digging for gold. And yep. Yep. yeah, however, my little boy has nothing on a primate cousin of ours that I want to talk about this week, the I.I. Um,
0: okay. Oh, okay.
1: They are truly champion nose pickers. I will get into more detail about oh. this l- in a little bit.
0: Wow. This really is about nose, dig- nose picking. Oh, this okay. is really about Gross.
1: nose picking. Um, Here we go. Lovely. <laughs> first, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Bit about what iis are. Their Latin okay. name is Dobentonia madagascariensis. Any guess where they're from?
0: Ooh, hmm. I'm gonna guess Ohio.
1: Sri Lanka.
0: <laughs> no, Madagascar. Yes, from it, Madagascar. Is, yeah, it
1: is Madagascar. Madagascar. They are primates. They're related to lemurs most closely, and like okay. lemurs, they are only found in Madagascar. Um, they're like the size of surprising. Yeah, they're kind of the size of a a big, really big cat, like about two feet long, plus a long tail, and um, kind of rodent-like front teeth, and uh, they actually use those teeth uh, to chew into trees, and they eat grubs hiding underneath the, in the wood of the trees.
0: Oh, wow. And, but they're also omnivores, so they eat all kinds of
1: stuff, seeds, fruits, mushrooms. Funny, Sure. Stuff like that.
0: A little bit of an opportunist, probably.
1: Yes. Probably some tree bark. Yeah. And to be honest, they are kind of unfortunate looking. Um, They're they're a little like a cross. Yeah. A little like a cross between a cat, an opossum, and a lemur, and maybe a rat thrown in there. Oh, dear. Um, Yeah. Okay. They have kind of big round ears, those ratty teeth. Uh, their nose is sort of squashed looking and pale pinkish. And their fur is kind of scraggly and unkempt looking. And it's sort of a, a weird mixture of gray and brown and yellow and sort of sticks out. They're,
0: like a quirky. quirky. They're, they're quirky. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And in fact, those front teeth do grow constantly like a rodent's. And uh, before it was oh, wow. oh, they figured out that they were related to lemurs um, originally, uh, they were classified with rodents. Um, but their most unusual feature is that they have these fingers, bony, witchy, spidery yeah. looking fingers.
0: Oh, how, I'm looking how at a long picture are these here.
1: Fingers. Uh, fingers it's a good question. Like I didn't, of a
0: horror movie.
1: I didn't write down exactly how long the fingers are, but they're quite long. Um, and I mean, oh, no. in, in,
0: in ratio to the size of their head, it looks like they could stick them in one ear, and they would stick out the other ear.
1: There. Pretty much. I mean, that's
0: how long they look.
1: It's a very um, awful. <laughs> apt apt thing to say, given what we're going to talk about in a minute. Oh, yeah. can
0: uh, they
2: reach their brain? Oh, yeah. Are they scratching their brain if they're picking their nose?
1: <laughs> we'll get to it. We'll get to it,
0: Rachel. Oh,
1: no. <laughs> um, yeah. So they have these creepy-looking, skinny, right witchy now. fingers. But... The really weird finger is the middle one, which... Oh, good. um, It's so so long. Yeah, it's it's very long. It's actually not the longest finger, but it is notably skinnier than the others. Yeah. Oh, I don't like that. And they use this finger... Their fingers
0: are like spider legs. Yep. (laughs) They sure are. Go
1: on. So they use this finger actually to tap on the surface of trees... To try to find the little hollow places where the grubs are hiding.
0: Oh, that's oh. not, that's not so bad. I they're like in, that. That's yeah,
1: fine. They're the only primate known to use echolocation to find their food. Oh, and cool. What? Cool, cool. That's so yeah. cool. So then they, then they find where the, the grub is and then they use their teeth to dig a hole in the wood. And then they stick the same finger in that skinny middle finger and fish the insects out. Huh. Um, cool. Useful. Yeah. I mean it's it's a it's adaptive, right? But yeah, there's man. also something really unusual about not just the way the finger looks, but about the joints of that middle finger, this the skinny grub hunting finger. Okay. It has a true uh-huh. ball and socket joint where the finger meets the hand bones. So that's unusual
2: okay. Yes, that's kind of unusual.
1: It is. Ball and socket Whoa. joints are special because they uh, let let you move the appendage in a full circle and on your body uh-huh. the only ball and socket joints you have are your shoulder joint and your hip joint right right, right. Mm-hmm. think about what you can do with but your I cannot eye. move
0: my hip in a full yeah, circle Yeah, d- hold Good on Lord. we're just both rotating our shoulders
1: o- only here in ca-
0: only in cartoons can you move your hips in full circles no like,
1: but you can like
0: <laughs> I know I'm giving you yeah, a hard time yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just picturing uh, like you, <laughs> flipping your leg up by your shoulder as you run <laughs> right. you know
2: I mean, right, right, right. some gymnasts um, can get.
1: But your finger, really your knuckle stretchy, joints, so your big knuckle joints are, um, uh-huh. you, if you look at your hand, you can move them up and down, you can flap them, and then you can move them side to side, right? And that's, uh, it's called a condyloid joint. It, it's basically, it's similar to a ball and socket shape, but it's uh, like an oval ball in an oval socket, if you can kind of picture that.
0: Oh, okay. But
1: yeah. the eyeI has the, the true round ball and socket, so they can move that finger in any direction, including like, up. <laughs> if you think about, you can't really move your fingers back oh, beyond like the that. plane of your hand, but they can. <laughs> uh Oh, I don't like it. And that's, yeah, that's they can move Uncanny Valley, kind of.: They can yeah. move each yeah. segment of their finger independently. No. Ooh. Yes, so Don't if like you try that. to move just the tip of your finger, you, you, get, you can't do it. you move your whole finger. right. Um, right. to bend it. but uh, they they have very um dexterous abilities with that finger, and that is the only uh, finger joint in the animal kingdom that is known to have a ball and socket joint, or like you know that's oh, that, well, that joint. Right. Yeah.
0: Congratulations to them.
1: They yes. also that's have. Cool. Kind it is of cool. un- freaky. It's still creepy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they also have a pseudo thumb similar to what a panda has. It's like a little projection coming off of their palm. It's, bas- it's basically like a glorified bone spur, um, but it functions a little bit like a finger. <laughs> okay. And scientists actually believe that that's there because the eye other fingers are so specialized for tasks other than gripping <laughs> um, that the pseudo thumb helps with actually more normal. And things that they need to do, like holding on to branches sure. and other objects. But let's get back to what we're really here to talk about, mm. which is
0: nose picking.
1: <laughs> nose picking.
0: God, uh, and just yeah. look at the picture—they've got like no. long claws on the end of these fingers too. Yeah,
1: they do. Oh, so this no. was caught on camera for the first time recently, which is what prompted the um, the scientific paper that I'm mostly basing this off of. And it just blew people's minds because the eye eye. Uh,
0: it scratched their mind, yeah.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, they can stick it all the oh, way back no. down to the back of their
0: throat. No. Throat, yeah. Yep. Hey. So if you got something in your throat, you just, you know. Yep. Jeez.
1: It, it goes Do they all have the way up yeah. uvula? I don't know.
0: Past the uvula, huh? Yeah.
1: Uh so you Inquiring know if you minds ever, want to know <laughs> if you ever had a long swab covid test um go yep it oh. felt like it was tickling your brain now that's it's a misconception because first of all your right. skull is in the way
0: <laughs> yeah, um correct right yes and your brain is also like a lot of it is above that area. yes
1: yeah um and you can actually you can get pretty far back there in a human nose. So it's very uncomfortable. But this is a common carnival trick. It's known as the human blockhead. People can nail yep, you know nail an, a nail or mm. other long objects into you can do their like nose. Like a six
0: inch spike right right into your nose. Yeah.
1: Yep. That is just going down the back of their throat. It's not going into their skull. It looks it looks incredible. Full that people confession. Just have,
0: I will say that is. Always a skill I've wanted to pick up as like a party <laughs> trick because it is like the most of it's 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 super simple to do, uh and it's it's, it's safe and everything if you know what you're doing, but um, yeah, because people assume it's going up in your nose. Really, there's like a little flap. It goes under that and then goes straight back. Yeah. The back. only thing is like anything in my nose gives me like the biggest heebie jeebies, like mm-hmm. not like a gag reflex, but it's like it's so wrong that I'm like, no, I I, uh-huh. I would love to. Picked that up as a part party trick and it's I'm it's not for me. Nope. It's just not for me.
1: Um yeah, it's also actually used by um some so-called faith healers and charlatans who like will will do this with forceps or some other thing like that and jam it way back in the patient's nose and and tell them it's curing their arthritis or whatever. Uh oh. Yeah.
2: Kirk, I really hate that. Like, part of me yeah. wants you to learn this, but the, um, most oh, of me says Oh, you're still stuck on that, huh? No. Yeah, I'm stuck on that. And most of me says no.
0: <laughs> just imagine. You just like, tap, 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 tap. I mean, you can't do it for children, because I think they might go home and try it and actually put a Ooh. nail into their brain. But uh, great party trick. Maybe someday. Ugh. It
1: doesn't seem worth it. It just doesn't seem worth it. Ugh, yuck.
0: Few things in life are. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, but for the eye, eye, it's just a casual nose pick, um, followed by licking, yeah. licking off the mucus collected. Yes. Oh, come on. No. They, oh, come they on. pick their nose and eat it. Yeah. So this paper, <sighs> um, which is by Anne-Claire yeah. Fabre at, and her colleagues, uh, was published in 2022 in the Journal of Zoology. It's called A Review of Nose Picking in, Prim- in Primates with New Evidence of Its Occurrence in Dobentonia Madagascariensis. Um, so it's it's actually hilarious. I unfortunately the paper is not available in full text without a subscription, which I was able to get through my mm. university. But um, it's pretty hilarious, even just the abstract, because <laughs> it places the theii's behavior yeah. in the context of other primates who pick their noses, including humans. Oh sure, humans, <laughs> it turns yeah, out all yeah all of the great apes pick their noses and eat it. Um, and yeah. several types of monkey are known to do so. And, you know, it's quite possible that all primates do it. Is just, we haven't necessarily collected evidence for it. Uh, wow. and interestingly, right. the authors speculate on some reasons for the behavior. Like it could be just that it was not selected against. Right.
0: Yeah. Always, yeah. always an option,
1: it mm-hmm. could just be for cleaning purposes, but the fact that, um, Feels great, actually, yep. Yeah, actually, so many species do, in fact, eat their mucus, <laughs> including humans, as my son oh. daily. Um, it, despite you know, humans do this despite it being socially unacceptable and considered disgusting, right? A lot of humans do right. this, um, mm-hmm. and you know, even, uh, <laughs> even use tools, it. It suggests that uh, it may have huh. some adaptive reason. <laughs> um, they were speculating there's some kind of immune, like immunological, possible thing, like goosing the immune system with by swallowing microbes that are in the nose. Can I don't know? Possible? Who Thanks. knows? Apparently, there's not a lot of papers <sighs> that study this subject. <laughs> so um, there's not, not a lot surprised. of evidence out there. So you know. Uh, if you're listening and you feel like you need uh, an unexplored area for your PhD dissertation.
0: Oh, a, that's not where I thought you were going with that. Unexplored area for your finger to go down your <laughs> nose. Like, I gotcha. Yeah, do PhD. I like yours better. Yeah, do a PhD yeah. on that. So
1: that is what I have for you this week.
0: Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Welcome back, Uh, Rachel, Victoria. Would you eat something called rock excrement? (laughs) Rock excrement?
1: Um, Yeah. I don't usually eat things called excrement.
0: Right. Uh, I mean, we're going right from nose picking to excrement. This is really a solid Hmm. episode here. So I'm, I'm using the nice term here excrement uh meaning what is excreted from the body uh but we're not talking about sweat right i mean rock Uh feces might be another way uh of to put this uh does anyone fancy some rock feces for dinner any takers
1: no so are we talking about no i mean rocks can't produce feces
0: can they? well, well spotted victoria well spotted no they cannot um Translation is a tough thing without uh, cultural context. Uh, the food stuff I'm actually talking about uh, was originally known as uh, Tio Uh And from what I can gather, yeah, that name apparently roughly translates to rock excrement. It's not really a great name. Um, it doesn't sound tasty, but bear with me because it's actually something really cool. No. Uh, we need to venture down to... It is, I promise, Rachel. Uh, we're going to venture down to Mexico, uh, to what is now Mexico City. And mm-hmm. here we find uh, Lake Texacoco. And keep in mind, though, um, this used to be much, much larger. This was a, a huge lake and a massive series of, of marshes and wetlands that has hosted humans since at least 1700 BC. So uh, this is an a area where people have been for a long time. Uh, but it, it's not really there today because it was largely drained to make room for what's now Mexico City. Uh, now, right. I don't know how old the actual uh, word uh, Teocatlatl is. But I do know that the uh, Mexica or Aztecs moved to the lake around the year 1325 and they began to build uh, their great city there. And it may have been uh, at that time that they discovered what they called essentially rock excrement uh, growing in the lake. And what they discovered was a species of blue-green algae or if you prefer cyanobacteria, uh, that today we mostly call spirulina.
1: Have you heard of spirulina? I have heard of it. It's like a health food kind of thing.
0: Vaguely? Yeah, it's often sold as a health food. So, as you may recall, if you're a listener to the show, blue-green algae goes way back. It's one of the oldest forms of life on Earth. Uh, You may recall I talked about their role in the great oxidation event on Earth that basically made all the oxygen on Earth, so... They're pretty cool. I'm glad that uh, cyanobacteria are around because I like breathing. So uh, the Mexica, uh breathing is great farm. Yeah, they could farm this cyanobacteria from the water and use it as a food. And that's still how it is used uh, to this day. Uh, it's called spirulina because that's the genus it was first placed into, and in the weird quirk, um, of course, it has now been moved to a new genus yeah, so of it's course. no longer. Scientifically spirulina, but th- that common new new common name um, has stuck, and it seems like that's kind of the one that that a lot of people use now. Um, have either of you eaten spirulina? Not to my knowledge. So. Uh, not deliberately. I have, like a number of times. Often, you'll the place I see it is like is like an added something they'll add to smoothies, yeah. like extra mm-hmm. nutrition and whatnot. I'm not that, that much into smoothies. This is kind of the most common place. Yeah, you I know, I. I I haven't had it in a smoothie in 20 years, but it's, it's out there. Uh, so interesting, interestingly, uh, the Mexica or Aztecs were not the only people in the world to discover the benefits of this plant or closely related species. Uh, people living around Lake Chad in Africa have also traditionally harvested a cyanobacteria from the lake that is very, very similar. I mean, they are very closely related. So the question is, why would huh. I want to eat... What essentially is like pond scum? <laughs> it's like, it's kind of the stuff that like, it's, you know, it's, yeah, why, it's blue green algae. It's the this. stuff that it, it is what makes like, you know, lakes turn green in the summer. And it, it's not real appealing uh, to most people probably. Well, dried spirulina contains, contains 5% water, 24% carbohydrates, 8% fat, and get this, 60% protein. Wow. So it's super high in protein. Uh, but, which is very cool. It also but how? Ha- how? Plants can have protein. Yeah. It's not
1: a plant I mean, anyway. It's a
0: bacterium. It's not a plant, but I mean, I, it, it's the kind of thing, there's lots of things in life that have protein. I think we, is what I'm trying to say. Like we think of protein as being exclusively like an animal thing, but there's all kinds yeah. of things in the world that are full of protein. Everything's made out um, of protein. It also, it's not just that though. It has almost all the necessary potassium calcium, magnesium, uh, and beta carotene that humans require. It is nearly a complete food containing all eight essential amino acids. Uh, it has iron in a bioavailable, uh, sort of form that is 60 times more absorbable than regular, regular, like iron supplements you would take. And, uh, things like protein and carbs and amino acids are critical parts of people's diets. And so spirulina is both cheap and super easy to grow and researchers are looking at how to use spirulina in people's diets um, as a way to help address food insecurity. Because, again, it's so easy yeah. to grow yeah. and so nu- nutrient-dense, which is really, really cool. Um, it also okay. contains like almost all-, all the B vitamins you need, so thiamine, riboflavin, and niacin, oh. uh, which are all B vitamins. Um, mm-hmm. They're all present in great quantities. For ex- I have a little example here. If you ate 100 milligrams of the dried powder, you would get 306% of the riboflavin you need for a day. So oh. it's pretty, pretty packed full of nutrition. Uh, yeah. The one thing I will say about it, um, it's not, uh, in spite of what some people might try to claim, it's not like a perfect food. Uh, you could not survive uh-huh. on spirulina alone. It is lacking notably in vitamin B12. Um, so unless we can like engineer or breed a version that makes B12, you, you could not survive on this alone so um there's okay, a lot but, of websites out there tout but, yeah go ahead but, how, how does it taste
2: that that's what i was going to ask victoria like you know how does it honestly, taste?
0: honestly <laughs> i've had it i've had it mixed into smoothies and it tastes kind of green kind of yeah. earthy is from what i remember like not a whole lot of flavor like, i don't think i'd like, like eat a handful of the powder eh, maybe like it's just sort of it's pretty bland i think Pretty, it's not like it's so good for you, but it tastes like excrement. Like it's not like that. I mean, it, it's it's pretty okay. inoffensive. It's you, you'd probably be adding it to your diet as like a sort of supplement or something, and that tends to um, okay you know, help. Yeah. So I was I, as I was saying, there's like there's a lot of websites that are touted as like a miracle food, and I think as long as we consider it a, a food, we're okay. Uh, there have been no studies that conclusively show it can treat any sort of disease. So probably best not to believe any of those claims that say that it can. Um, But as a cheap food additive, it seems like a really great thing. It's already been used that way for livestock and for aquaculture. And to some degree, like for Mm. humans as well, because it's been seen more and more like things like smoothies and protein bars and things like that. So I want to see that I find. I want to see
1: some traditional uh, recipes that the Mexica used it
0: for. (laughs) Well, it would be um, taken out of the water and dried into cakes. Um, to okay. so you'd have like these little cakes of it that could be dried and that that could be stored for a long time. But then it's getting mixed into all the traditional foods that you'd be thinking of, like beans and corn, uh, and and made into like a um, any kind of dish that you're going to have those in. You know, so some of the okay. meals, the things that might seem pretty familiar to us today, uh, would you know just have it mixed in as yet another little. A little something mixed in. People were not necessarily taking like a cake of spirulina and just like not chowing on down, right? It's pretty much since humans have always used it been something we've added to our food. Okay. Uh, okay. One of, one of the prospects I find fascinating for this uh ancient plant is actually not the role it's played in our past, but the role that it could play in our future. Uh, as humans think about mm. space travel the idea of using spirulina as a food source is being looked into. So it grows fast. It's nutrient dense. It doesn't require any soil and it requires very little input. Like it basically just needs slightly salty water with a pH over 8.5 and a bunch of sunlight. And uh, NASA huh. has actually done research on spirulina and I should say other cyanobacterias as well. Um, so I'm not sure if like spirulina in the long run will be the ultimate winner. Uh, and that's what people might decide to use or if we're going to find or engineer something even better. But it's pretty cool that this like ancient little tiny form of life could one day leave the planet with us so that we can explore other worlds. Mm. Uh, that that to me is just seems like a, a really poetic, beautiful kind of idea. Cool. That's really all, all I wanted wow. to share with you is just this really cool cyanobacteria that you can eat and is surprisingly like super super good for you uh, even though you might think of it as like we might call it pond scum and people in the past <laughs> basically <laughs> decided to call it rock crap um so it's, it's pretty cool um my sources this week for some of the huh. little tidbits of information were the bbc wikipedia and newfarmers.com cool. so let's uh let's go to a break and when we come back we'll hear from rachel
2: Alrighty. Welcome back everyone. What I want to talk about are dragons. Oh, sure. Right. drag dra- dra- dragons. Dragons. Yeah. dragons. yeah. They've been so around dragons, for a so... long time. We I mean, they're everywhere okay. in all kinds of different cultures, right? Dragons.
0: Um Yes. Kinda. Yeah, we, we have things we call dragons that look pretty different depending on what culture you're talking about. But yeah, yeah, certainly clawed, well, scaly monsters.
2: Yeah, so I'm going to talk about a clawed, sca- scaly monster that is a dragon. Okay. Also known as the Komodo dragon.
0: <laughs> the Komodo dragon. Uh, the Komodo okay. dragon.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Surprising, uh, we I haven't to talked about it for a little bit. Actually, right? I was actually uh, well, thinking yeah, about one that. One is like, my leg is feeling pulled. Yeah, three episodes. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm like, we finally got to the Komodo dragon.
2: It Just yeah how how have we not done it anyway? Um, so the Komodo dragon is the world's largest species of lizard. So. Generally speaking, so that it's a reptile, of course. So it's related to like snakes and such, but is a different type. So it's related to kind of like dec- geckos and legless lizards, but way, way further back. So they are in five Indonesian islands, um, islands of Komodo, Rinka, Flores, uh, and Gili Montauk. Montang, sorry um there is another island as well but it's not native to that particular island um they're thought to have come originally from australia um really but, oh, but unusual i didn't know in australia yeah um uh right it's a crazy crazy thought that i would have mentioned australia on this show um so they were uh originally thought to originate from like a a common ancestor about 40 million years ago, um, go to it moved to Australia and then kept, um, differentiating until we get the, until about 4 million years ago, we got the, uh, Komodo dragons that we know and I guess love today. I don't know as all. So there are some sure, like animals that, the modern that, form,
0: something we would recognize,
2: right? The more modern form. I, I will say, of all the animals that are out there and all the things that tend to scare me, there's only a handful <laughs> that really like, even in a zoo will make me nervous. And this is one of them. Mm. Um, I want to
0: hear that whole list sometime, but we'll, we'll stick with the Komodo dragon. We'll,
2: we'll stick with the Komodo dragon, but part of the reason, um, that they make me nervous. So they're a, uh, technically they are a monitor lizard so they're some of us have i'm sure some of us have seen pictures of komodo dragons before they are long big bodied lizard with a long tail that's as long as their body um really powerful legs with sharp claws they're pretty low to the ground they're about two rachels in length uh if they get to like full full (laughs)
1: including the tail wow
2: including the tail wow so pretty much, uh, the, the largest anyway was, um, 10.3 feet long, which uh-huh. yeah, feels too long. <laughs> Generally speaking, uh-huh. they get to That's be long. about That's a very big lizard. And a half feet. Um, they look really heavy
1: too. They just look really too
2: long. Solid. Oh yeah. They're very solid, very muscular, um, Lizard. They weigh anywhere from 150 to 200 pounds. Um, there's some differentiation when it comes to males and females. Yeah. Uh, so they are just uh, just going a little. Yep. Okay. So Komodo dragons are the reason why I'm bringing them up on this show is not just because they're the largest lizard on the planet. Okay, on Earth, since there aren't any dinosaurs anymore. But I'm also bringing them up just because of something very special that a lot of us uh, probably already know about, but I wanted to talk a little bit further here. So we all know that there are these large lizards and they pretty much dominate this area of. the e- they pretty much dominate the they do dominate the ecosystem in the islands that they are in. They actually can swim. They've been found swimming between the islands rather easily, which was disconcerting mm. when I learned about that. I uh, didn't <laughs> like learning about True. that, yep. but and they can run decently fast as well, which I also didn't like learning about. No, thank you. Uh,
0: <laughs> but
2: <sighs> what I really wanted. Right, they they can run a decent clip. Uh, I think it was somewhere like twelve miles an hour, something like that. Which
0: uh-huh.
2: isn't super fast.
0: That's pretty good. That's pretty fast. Still yeah. isn't. I mean, a, that's a human could outrun them. That's but not.
2: Yeah, but for a, sprint, a right? lizard but of that size, that's that's yeah. pretty good. Definitely. Anyway, So there's a lot of things that go around when we think of Komodo dragons. We tend to think about their saliva and their bite. There is some debate on whether or not they were actually venomous species. And I'm going to say this out to everyone who doesn't already know me. Um, So there is a difference between venomous and poisonous. Um, Poison is you bite it and it makes you (laughs) sick. Uh, Venomous is it bites you and it makes you sick. Um, so there's a lot of debate about the Komodo dragon when it came right. to their saliva. Here's the thing. Their saliva, yes, has lots of bacteria. There's actually at least seven, um, from what I was able to see, at least seven different, um, types of bacteria that live that actually can cause, co- have been known to cause sepsis, which Awful, oh, like, terrible. Lovely. Um, like good for them. Their mouth. It helps them uh, take down their food uh, and be able to uh, be able to like digest a little bit better. But they do have venom.
0: Yeah, yeah, they so do. Sure do. It.
2: They have in their lower jaw. They actually have um, a couple of glands that. All the venom does is is an anticoagulant, so it has the blood keep going. It doesn't allow it to clot, so it's not like a so animals going will bleed to out. Make you sick kind of venom, yeah. It's to make them bleed out. But if you're gonna get hit with this lizard and it's gonna bite you, that's not what's gonna take you down. The bacteria and or the <laughs> venom, it's their serrated teeth. Well, it's probably the combination
0: are, <laughs> of all of that, you know? Well,
2: yeah. It's yeah. also going to be the serrated teeth that have been equated to, like... Like,
0: if you get away, you're not going to get far. It, it, it's like a... It's like a slow... It's like the long game. They're going to come find you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If you get away, like, those things probably will cause some sort of problems for you. But it's also their large, curved, and serrated teeth. Um, that have been equated to things like oh. a shark or even like a oh, saber tooth tiger, which I don't like. Um, they apparently go through anywhere from, uh, I think four to five sets of teeth throughout their lifetime. Oh, wow. So they're able cool. to like replenish their teeth. The cool thing though that I thought was really strange and is something that we uh, scientists are looking into is while their uh while their saliva has about 50 different bacterial strains, crazy, and seven of those are uh-huh. super septic, shockingly, they aren't deadly to other Komodo dragons. Okay. Huh, okay. So, Komodo dragons are often sparring with each other, and they tend to, you know, use their teeth and bite and whip their tails um, as they're fighting, because they're generally solitary Wait, oh. creatures. There's a hierarchy involved when they go to feed things. Um, but when they are, like, eating, or when they're fighting other Komodo dragons, they don't seem to be affected by the bacteria that is in the saliva or venom, which is absolutely crazy. So they're trying to see if there are antibodies potentially in Komodo dragon blood to see Mm. if, um, there could be, uh, like if they could use that in medical research, uh, to be able to combat the bacteria that is in their mouths, like especially the ones that cause sepsis, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's that'd be totally. very very handy.
2: So I really just wanted to talk about Komodo dragons today. Um, there's a lot of other things that are crazy about Komodo dragons. Um, from the fact that the young, uh, when after they have hatched, they actually roll in scat or fecal material, so that way they don't get eaten by older and larger Komodo dragons. Um, there's anything from the fact that, uh. People on the island of Komodo actually had to change their burial habits because oh. um, the the yeah the the dragons Komodo dragons oh, can man. smell carrion.
0: That's uh, not great. two and
2: a half miles out. Mm. So they had to change their their uh, burial. Makes you want to do cremation to avoid lizards digging you them up it was a thing (sighs)
0: um
2: and then there's also the crazy thing that they can eat uh five and a half pounds of meat uh in like a bite like in under a minute wow that's
0: a lot (laughs) of meat oh my god
2: yeah i
0: suppose (laughs) it shouldn't be that surprising but
2: yeah so in like under a minute they can eat yeah they're very voracious uh eaters i mean you have to be they're eating so much of their food um so much of like they have to they eat anywhere from like 80 percent of their Whoa. own body weight in a time like they're eating like water buffalo oh, wow. they're they'll eat horses they'll eat deer whatever they can catch um but they're truly an astonishing if scary uh animal uh and i just wanted to highlight them because i could not believe yeah, that we wild. had not talked about them yet yeah. uh so uh, yeah i i i brought to you yeah, the komodo dragons um my sources this week were um the uh national geographic as well as the smithsonian's national zoo and conservation biology institute had a really great article about komodo dragons as well um and wikipedia nice uh, so that's what we have for you all this week, I believe. So thanks for joining us this week and we'll see you all next week. Right, bye bye. 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 Thanks.
0: Thanks everyone for listening to today's show. Be sure to subscribe. New episodes drop every Wednesday and we love sharing this strange world with all of our listeners. If you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review, that would be great. It lets other lovers of the strange discover the show.